Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they say, yeah. Hello, everybody. Sucks and Jacks. I'm Tamari Andrew on the board. We have This is a, an odd morning, very odd morning, because of the NVIDIA run-up last night. SP futures up 24. We're down yesterday. NASDAQ futures up 245. Dow futures actually down 72. So, very bizarre. Uh, guys came out and said, oh, man, this, this uh, artificial intelligence is going to take this NVIDIA. The moon of stock's up 26%. The, the two people that run the place have been on TV all week talking the thing up. Interesting to see if they're selling today. <laughs> the thing blew through its old high from two years ago, like dinner through a goose, and it's trading. Well, we'll get the word straight here in a second. Do we have uh, to Professor Lou? Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm awake, sort of. The sun is uh, is barely uh, cracking the the sky here in uh, in East Denver, and uh, looks like we're going to actually have a nice have another nice uh, nice day here. It's been uh, we've got a fair amount of rain, so it. You know, Denver is usually brown. Uh, you know, once uh, once the vegetation starts coming up, and uh, we we've uh, we've turned green here, which is good. We had about we got about thirty percent or thirty five percent of our total rain total in about three days last week. So uh, it was a it was it's been a wet spring so far. Well, uh, as they used to say in Morton Salt, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, the. Um, the, the mountain rivers are actually running uh, well ahead of what they they normally do because of the large snowpack, and uh, it hasn't. The good thing is it hasn't been spectacularly warm here, so we are not getting a, you know, a flash flood type of melt in the uh, in the mountains. So, good good news for uh, for the rafters. They were talking uh, yesterday about having to adjust. All or, and retrain a bunch of their uh, rafting guides for a higher water flow and faster water flow because of what uh, what's coming down from uh, from up top and it looks like we're refilling slightly refilling Lake Powell and Lake Mead although I don't think I don't think we believe they're going to get above a third of the capacity even with this massive uh, this massive runoff well they they take, do the ones upstream first so the ones in Cal or runs in Colorado will be full um the small reservoir well, no Powell Powell's been Powell's been discharging a lot um and they discharged a bunch to to readjust the uh the sand beds in the Colorado River because they had the the natural uh sand beds and and beaches that had you know, existed there for quite a while. We're we're altering because of the lack of water. So they they upped the discharge there. That raised uh, that raised mead. But but Powell is still uh, you know well below well below normal. Mead has come up, I think four feet. I mean, it's, it mead is huge. So so even they were they were discharging water at the rate of between 14,000 and 18,000 cubic feet a second 
and they've been doing that for the last three weeks and uh and powell is i think up four feet uh still still way below way below normal so i mean the water's nice it it's not going to make a, it it's going to make a small dent in the in the overall shortages out here um the, the the big as i've always as i've said from the beginning the big story is the fact that the huge runoffs in the Sierra Nevada and the rain that that SoCal uh, got, you know, their their California just does not have the capability, by choice, by the way, to to capture this water for long enough long term storage to to keep things running there. Well, and, they they uh, to back up a second, what Professor Lou was talking about, and he assumes everybody knows is the original big dam out there was Hoover Dam. It was a big flood control hydroelectric dam. Well, later on, they built another dam up the river from there, Lake Powell. And it's caused uh, some issues with the Colorado River itself in the sense that the flood actually, the the periodic floods down to Lake Mead um, did a lot of ecological work, for lack of a better term, for for the river bottom and the bottom of the canyons. There's a lot of sand has to build up, there's a lot of silt, there's a lot of stuff that is a natural formation. And when you have years of drought like this, when you don't do that, all of a sudden you're getting all this erosion. So even though Lake Powell is below, way below its normal level, they had to, they had enough water to let go essentially these simulated floods, right, Lou? To essentially, yeah, they, to essentially they, put they, the, the ecosystem back somewhere into normal between the two dams, right? Right. Right, so so they they cleared out a bunch of they cleared out a bunch of stuff in the Grand Canyon, and uh, with uh, with that excess water, that extra water discharge, but but you know, so so Colorado does a reasonably good job, and and those two dams do a reasonably good job of capturing the the runoff from from the snowpack here in Colorado, and they're huge reservoirs, and they they do they do what they're supposed to do, uh, but. You know, California has its own massive water storage uh, facility in the in the Sierra Nevada or the uh, yeah the Sierra Nevadas, and those mountains have that snowpack is not going to get captured. They, they've they've filled up most of their a lot of their reservoirs, but a significant portion of that. Well, there's no there's no area the size of Lake Mead that you can capture in California. Well, they were going to build facilities to capture more of this. Number one, and that that's been stalled. So, they're they were talking about finishing one uh, one huge uh, facility uh, this spring that was supposed to almost double their their water storage, and and it it is still not completed. They have a weird, and, and again, this is all by choice. You know, they they've. Elected, they've elected people who don't want to do this, and, and the, apparently the population is okay with this. But ninety-five uh, percent of the runoff coming down the Sacramento River that flows into the into the San Francisco Bay, ninety-five percent of that runoff is is by by regulation must flow into the bay. Um, they're they're protecting some smelt uh, varietal in the marshes in San Francisco. Uh, or in the Bay Area, and and the way they've got it structured is that they can only take a certain percentage of the water. Well, you also can't get 
the water f- from that river down to L.A. anyway. Uh, well, that's where you're wrong because they have a pumping capability in the well. In the, it would be a the delta yeah. in the delta. No, no, they have a pumping capability in the delta that allows them to pump that water into reservoirs throughout Northern California. Northern and they California, cannot, and they can't. Well, but all of that, you know, that the water that the water that sits in Northern California flows south. They have aqueducts that that move can move it throughout the throughout the state but there's no but, colorado river that runs from colorado down to arizona there's nothing no, that, there's no, no there's no natural shall we say tunnel or uh no and and and, and they've and they, again they for all the for all the how for how important agriculture is to california and and to the rest of the country the california state legislature and the government has simply said you know we're not going to alter things here to to make it to facilitate growing crops to facilitate water recharging the aquifer. We're just well, most let of the that, crops are done. Are Colo- most of the crops are not most, but a lot of them are in the Imperial Valley, and it's fed by the Colorado. Um, the actual the actual some of it's in the Imperial Valley, but the big majority of it runs down from near Chico up north. Down through Sacramento, down through Fresno. Where does? I mean, I'm not. I mean, if, you're, so if, you, if, you, lived, if you live there, like I, I, I lived there for for a little while. If you live there in the spring, you you can't you can't in Sacramento you can't breathe if you've got any allergies at all because of the pollen from from tomatoes and really? squash and melons and asparagus and everything else that's growing down there. It's a it's an incredibly fertile. Area, well, you know, but it needs water. My uh, my grandfather, from what I understand, even all these people told me these stories are all dead. Uh, in the '30s, went out to California to see if he should move the family out there. He took a train because he worked for the railroad, so he probably got on a train for nothing. Spent two weeks going over California, came back and said, "They're doing some pretty good stuff, but they're not going to have enough water for the amount of people who are going to move out there." <laughs> I I think. The person who did all the reservoirs around L.A. was that Mulholland? Was that the guy's name? The guy I don't. Head? I don't know. But he he was a spectacular engineer, Lou, and he it was almost one of the, the engineering marvels of the world. The reservoir oh, system absolutely. around L.A. But it was designed for X million people, and now they've got three times X, and nobody wants to. Where exactly? And I'm not. I know the geography around San Francisco Bay a little bit. But down by L.A., I mean, I, I mean, the Sierra Nevada is near, near where Lou's talking about, up in northern California, piles into the Sacramento River mostly. Some of it goes in the Truckee River and goes the other way, right? Uh, uh, right, yeah, that flows into Nevada. Yeah. But most of, most of that runoff goes, well, I mean, it's the Continental Divide. Yeah, most mo- of the rest of the Continental Divide. Most of that water goes down into, you know, the Sacramento River yeah. and, and covers that area. And, and they just... As I said, by regulation, they they can only they but can where, only divert the maximum five percent of that. Where does the the mountains east of of uh, of L.A. further south? Where does that stuff drain? There's no there's no river through L.A. Is there? There's a river that well, yeah. There's a river that you know that concrete faced river that runs through downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, but I'm saying there's no there's no equivalent of the Sacramento River south. Uh, no, not. Not in terms of capacity and volume. No, it it flows into a lot of other different areas. So, so where's where does like a, if, there was, if there's a massive Sierra Nevada 
snowfall just east of LA, where does that water go? Um, some of it goes into the Salton Sea. Uh, some of it goes into was it was it Thule Lake? Because some of it does go to Colorado, way south. Some some does a yeah. little bit. Uh, it goes into Lake Thule. Um, there are a number of rivers that that smaller rivers that flow through that area. Many of which are on flood watch right now. Um, so it 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 disperses, but they lose most of it, and and they 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 do have capture capability, but it's full. Well, they they absolutely. They're not. If you look at the, I think if you look at the engineering loop, and you look at a 1950s population or 1960s, you would say the the uh, engineering was brilliant. If you look at yes. a, if you look at a a population today, you'd say what happened? They didn't keep up with it. Is that that's, is that exa- that's exactly right? And and you know, and again, that that was by that was by choice. They they froze. That statutes in place, they froze development, they froze water projects uh, for mostly environmental concerns, and uh, like I said, that was that was by their elected officials. That was the choice that they didn't want to they didn't want to develop anymore. They they're blowing, they're actually taking down some dams. Amazingly enough, uh, with water storage there, I think three dams coming down this spring uh, from uh, from reservoirs that they well, some that were, they some had. weren't very well thought out, but. Well, uh, plus just, some of them are falling apart. Uh, I, I agreed, and and they haven't they haven't maintained those. And some of the but but they're taking their the idea that in a state where water is life and they right. have, they have simply they're in a they've been you know this is this drought is is nothing new. They've been in a drought wet year drought cycle, and and I, I was there in the late seventies when when they were in a drought and everybody was howling and and. They were saying we've got to we've got to increase our water storage, and you know, and then the the wet year came and the reservoirs filled back up again. And everybody got quiet, but but yeah, it it sort of a classic example of of a failure of long term planning. And I mean, if you talk to some of the you talk to some of the people that are involved in this or that that support these this stuff, I mean, they're position is we we don't need this many people out here and we don't want this many people out here and but they're there uh, yeah <clears> well, but, but there. that doesn't that that doesn't matter yeah i mean i'm you, you, one of the fascinating things that you know has become apparent since the the earth movement started in 1960 what was it 69 that was the first Earth yeah. day one of the first things that has become readily apparent is that a significant portion of the environmental movement is against people <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's that's that is what the basic line is. Yeah, I mean, when you look at at the Earth, uh, and that's part you know that's part of the, the drill. You look at the Earth. We probably have, with you know, some of these Earth movements, for lack of a better term, have helped out. I think dramatically in a lot of places. I mean, certainly has helped out Chicago. Oh, the, the, the clean the clean water the Clean Water Act and Clean Air Act. Are are massive successes. Yeah, and 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 I mean, you you know, you remember, you and I are both old enough to remember when that what was it the Sus- not the Susquehanna? What was the river that flows through Cleveland that caught fire? The Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga that was so that was so polluted. The fact that Lake there was not you could barely find a living fish in Lake Erie. Yeah, well, you know, was, you you do uh, if you I got a couple of things to say here. This is so weird. You know the Chicago River used to always be on fire. They actually had a, a a boat that went around and then moved the fire toward the middle of the river. 
This is be before they reverse the flow. No, nothing, nothing about the Chicago River would surprise me. Yeah, the, the, the anything you wanted to hear about water management and and dirty. They said when you walked across the river downtown, you had to hold your nose before before the flow was reversed. I I, I don't have any trouble. I don't have any trouble believing that. And, but and I guess well, my point on the amount of people, though, Luke, even the Earth Movement. If you looked in 69, 70s, those eras, and you looked at some of these solutions, and some of them were pretty dramatic, and some of them worked pretty well. I mean, like you said, the world was two and a half billion people. Okay, now we're six. W whatever you did is the pimple on the ass of an elephant. I mean, the, the, the goofballs, were goofballs, the people who are actually against this fossil fuels at any at any. At any amount, I'm looking here this morning. If this, this headline's still up here, the uh, um, what the hell is it? That in the last year or this year, there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a a trillion. Uh, well, they're talking about solar. Solar going to do more more than a billion a day in 2023. But the amount of money still going into uh, fossil fuels worldwide is dramatic because that's what everybody people need energy to grow. No, well, that's right. If you if you if you want to eliminate poverty, you've got to have cheap or cheaper energy, and nothing beats right now. Nothing beats fossil fuel in terms of of bang for the buck. And and you know this is this is something that I, I again the environmental movement is is essentially a movement of wealthy you know wealthy environmentalists in the Western world. Who look around and say, "Okay, well, we're comfortable here. Let's turn it off. Yeah, you know, let, yeah. let's turn it off for everybody else." And and I'm I'm trying to remember who I think it was uh, Constantine Kisson, who's a social social commentator in Great Britain, but he was at the he was at Oxford uh, doing a debate about three or four months ago, and and he said the environmental movement, the you know the the climate change movement, is is incredibly stupid for for one simple reason. You are not going to go to people in India or people in China or people in Africa and tell them you can't build a better world for your children because you can't. We're not going to let you use fossil fuels. That that's just not going to happen. And and the idea that that we in the West can somehow make a dent in in you know overall emissions when you know the vast majority of the of the world of the planet. Is is populated by people who are just trying to get a better life, and that's what that's what they care about. And, well, and here to look at a, a guy like, you know, pick his name out. A guy like Bill Gates and his running around in his private jets, has probably used more fossil fuels in entire cities in Africa. He's trying to well, well, well that and that's the other aspect of it. I I, I have, um, you know, family family members who are very strong on this and, and, and big time you know big time people on this and they and they, they're very involved in it they live their lives this way they work for, for businesses that do the, that are that are eco focused and it, it all comes down to we've got too many people on the planet but we're not part of that that group you know yeah. we're good so so now we got to look around and sort out who's going to be left and and oh by the way you know, it, it's the it's the foxes, you know, voting with the hens as to who's gonna, you know, what's gonna be on the plate for dinner. Uh, we're gonna make the we're gonna make the call as to uh, you know as to what countries or what's what cultures 
uh, are, are allowed to do with respect to with respect to their their energy, and it it's it's totally self centered. Solipsism. Why do you suppose? Like, I mean, this is a. Man, I just before I talk about a sociological question, why do you suppose that that as as people have more money, of course, you know, cost of education, the other stuff here, people have more money, they have less kids. I mean, I. I'm always stunned that you see these pictures from, you know, Africa, and and the the guy, every bone in the guy's body is sticking out, and the, and the lady looks like she couldn't. I mean, how the hell she even can can walk, much less do anything else? And there's there's five kids, and you wonder. I mean, the mating is, instinct must be so strong, and so, and, and yet you you would think it would be just the opposite. If if you're starving, the last thing you want to do is have a kid that starves with you. But here, in, in, in countries where people have, you know, usually eating is not a problem, you can't even maintain your own population unless you have people come in from other areas. I mean, well, why do you suppose that is? I mean, I, I don't. Uh, well, well, part of it, okay, so part of it is, is economic. Large numbers of children, and, and this, was, this was cultural, large numbers of children help the family. You know, the, the way labor within the family, intra-family labor, was a thing. It's not a thing anymore. You know, uh, we have fewer and fewer kids because because of wealth and labor-saving devices and and everything else. We have fewer and fewer kids that are that are required to do things within the family to to help out. That's that's number one. Number two, you know, the realization, especially for for women, the realization that that child rearing, especially with lots of kids is is hard work and and you know can be very rewarding but it's it is literally one of those things that requires a very long you know long view of of life and and day to day it it it's hard work and then and then the third thing i think is just a sort of a general as we got more affluent people people get selfish you know they want they want comfortable lives they they want options they want to be able to travel when they're young they want to be able to work you know 60 hours when they're when they're able to do so they they want to be able to accumulate wealth and and it kids kids it's hard to accumulate wealth when you've got when you've got kids and the more kids you have the the harder it is so so well, I'm talking about something as simple as if you're starving how do you breastfeed how do you plan on taking care of a kid if you can't even you can't even yourself get up? Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean that's and and that that those populations those populations fail if you can't if you can't provide food you can't provide provide welfare those populations will fail. But but why affluence why affluence breeds fewer kids? Uh, it, it's a it's a well known cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it, is. it hit it hit it's hitting us. It's hitting Europe. It's one of the reasons why the populations in Europe are aging dramatically. The reason ours isn't is because of immigration. Um, our, you know, once once people get above a certain uh, relative wealth, the uh, pop- population r- replacement birth rates drop. Well, that's so S&P it, futures up twenty three, Nasdaq futures up two fifty six, and this Nvidia is now up eighty five dollars. It's almost thirty percent. Because that's what they're going to be the whole world. They just told you so. I, I this these kinds of moves, as much as 
We have people that have uh, NVIDIA stock, and I'm super happy for them. Lou, it's not healthy. It is not healthy. I'm, I'm just saying, it's not healthy. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm on the board. SP Futures are up 22. NASDAQ Futures the big one, up 256. That's almost 2%. A lot of this is um, virtually on the back of NVIDIA being up 28%, which is a big number. Dow's actually, futures are actually down 88, so the Dow, nobody cares about the Dow this morning. Man, eh, no, screw the Dow. It's all... 
it's all artificial intelligence. It's five, six companies. They are going to own the world. And you, if you're not on board, you're not going with them. I guess I guess that's the story. Uh, DAX down 22.1%. Uh, We've got the FTSE down 20.3%. CAC around down 20.3%. Uh, so mute, muted uh, to the downside over in uh, Europe. Not much going on there. Here, here the big story is obviously the one stock. Uh, Nikkei up 118.4%. Hang Seng down 369, another 2%. 18,743. That's the lowest level this year. That's really unbelievable. Uh, Shanghai down 3 is, is the Nikkei is coming off is pretty close to its highest level in 20 years is the, and the Hang Seng can't even be up this year Shanghai is down 3.1 percent amazing differences in these markets I, I don't I don't think it's all that healthy but you know who knows uh, Dow down 255 yesterday S&P down 30 and NASDAQ down 76 well down 76 yesterday 276 today to the upside so the net is up quite a bit in the NASDAQ now the rest of them not so much bonds 10 year up five basis points 3.77 the bond uh, making move toward four percent here. Uh, the bond up three point basis points, two point four nine. Japan up three basis points, point four four. So interest rates are going up worldwide here, pretty pretty dramatically. Oil down a buck forty eight seventy two eighty six. Brent down one forty three seventy six ninety three. Natural gas down uh, three cents to uh, thirty six. Our Bob actually down six cents. It's been up almost every day. Bent down to two sixty six. We got gold down two sixty nineteen sixty two. Is a strong dollar has been beating up on gold. Silver down 11 cents, 23.12. Copper up 2 cents for the first time in a long time. Dead cat bounce there, 3.59. We've got Bitcoin, which has been down, down a little bit today, down 50 bucks, 26.222. And the U.S. dollar uh, is up again a little bit against the euro. The euro is 107, almost down 107.2. That's the lowest we've seen it. The pound unchanged at 1.236. Uh, Andrew, we got for traffic, weather, sports. All right, it is a 6.36 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports, last night the Cubs beat the Mets and in their game 4-2 and the White Sox beat the Guardians in their game 6-0. Over in Phoenix, Diamondbacks lost to the Phillies 5-6. Now for some Chicago weather. It's currently 49 degrees but the wind chill is making it feel I think a little bit lower than that. Uh, we're going to have a high of 62 today and uh, looks like mostly cloudy skies throughout the day. Over in Phoenix, they are at 75 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 99 today, and that's going to hit, looks like, around 5 p.m. Finally, for Chicago traffic, looks like traffic is heavy on the inbound expressways, especially if you're coming in from that good old Kennedy construction. Only thing to note is that it looks like, a, it looks like an earlier accident uh, on the Eisenhower around the U.S. 45 has cleared, so there's pretty heavy delays if you're coming inbound or outbound right about near 9th Avenue. But otherwise, it's about business as usual today. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The, uh, so, Lou, we have uh, all this stuff going on in, uh, in, in Washington. What, uh, we, we had a long conversation yesterday. We've been kind of talking about this um, all week. Uh, actually, we've been talking about it for quite a while. But uh, it has to do with, <laughs> with something I don't know that much about, constitutional law, and how we – it's always a big issue – as to how you how you uh, compensate managers of companies to drive them to do essentially what you want the owners or the shareholders or whoever of course they don't have any power these days uh, to do them what you sort of want them to do and I just wonder when you see this thing going on in Washington and you see where the the debt numbers are and everybody's got an opinion right about all this stuff from every side from every side um, 
you wonder if, if the motivation for the way we elect people here is in the best future interests of the country. I mean, because uh, in terms of, you know, what if they just kick this can down the road a little bit and don't realize that they're essentially coming up with a million dollars of new debt every 40 seconds, and nobody nobody wants to address that at all. It's all about getting some face on there and pushing it till the next election, which is two years for representatives, and how that that that's seemingly way worse than have a of having an executive paid only on quarterly earnings, not caring what he did to the building or the pollution or anything else along the way. I mean, what can we do about that? Anything, or is it just hope we get better people, or what's what's what do you think? I mean, just obviously, I, mean, I watch this stuff as a as a more mature man these days, and see how many years it goes on, and see how the same show never changes, and people seem to get more buffoonish by the year, and and yet the the. The, the, the hole they're driving us into continues to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And nobody seems to care because nothing's ever happened to where there was some kind of a default. Now today, was one of the places, Moody's or Fitch or somebody put us on, us, the U.S., on credit watch. I mean, wh- why does everybody think that as long as you can borrow more to pay for the last month's borrowing, everything's going to be okay forever? But obviously, people like me to say you got to watch it, I've been saying that for years, and nothing's ever happened, right? I mean, I... What's what's the solution? Or where, where does the water meet the theme? What? <laughs> it's been a recurring theme of our, yeah, of well, our discussions. Well, but I mean, it's it, when 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 does the, I mean, I, I guess the point is maybe you can do it forever. I don't know that you can, but maybe you can. Well, okay. So so that you you got like ten questions wrapped up in that's that's in, the way I always do it in what you just asked me. So so let let's start with the first part. Um. In terms of, of financial management, the short answer is that the culture has become, for better or worse, sort of inured to the idea that it is dependent on federal money flowing into people's pockets. And and when I say people, I mean, and this has become increasingly apparent in the last, probably last four elections um it people i mean i mean politically active political um you know political supporters pockets and and it's 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 becoming increasingly obvious or increasingly clear that for example this this inflation reduction act that was passed uh, last year what was it last year two years ago was basically a, a handout program that was designed to benefit certain constituencies, teachers unions, uh, other other types of unions, uh, and climate climate change NGOs, um, solar, you know, the solar industry, non renewable uh, renewable energy industries, uh, the the chip manufacturing industry. Um, this. This is a huge wealth transfer, but it's a wealth transfer from, you know, the federal government and and the taxpayer base that supports it, from that taxpayer base to these selected groups that are very strong supporters who then of of, you know, one party, basically, that then turn around and pump that money back into that party through political activism. In, in terms of get out the vote, I mean, I, I, I don't think we really understand. Uh, certainly, I didn't until I started reading a little bit more about it. Just how 
widespread. These publicly funded uh, get out the vote efforts are again all directed for the most part in in favor of one party. Um, you know, Colorado has has had a mail-in balloting for for some time, and and you see ballot harvesting here, it done in a at a at an industrial scale. Um, this stuff is all it, it it's astounding how much of this is funded by by federal money that that goes to these quote you know nonpartisan uh, public policy organizations that then turn around and, and distribute it this way so so that's that has crept into our you know in, into our our public discourse to the extent that we're now quite comfortable with the idea that that the fed is dumping you know huge amounts of money directly back into or you know local communities civic action groups environmental groups whatever so that money's being that money's being moved in there and and, and people are, are nobody wants to see that tap turned off in addition the federal workforce and and by analog the state workforces is monstrous oh yeah without a doubt it's monstrous and, and, and that's because of our, our, you know, the federal bureaucracy has grown in response to the laws that have been passed. But that federal workforce represents, again, voters. Well, they also don't, they also, at the end of the day, don't do anything. They're useless. I mean, I mean that, as well, an individual, I mean, that, this is, this is, well, I, I mean, you, as an individual, they're my not. Point, you know, my point, yeah. my point is the same point that I had when I, I first came to Chicago and realized that the, the clerk of, the, the clerk of court for the, for Cook County, the person who was responsible for running the, the court system in Cook County was was still having all the lawyers and judges use carbon paper and handwriting out their court orders because because if you automated that stuff and you went digital you were going to eliminate about two-thirds of the paper shuffling jobs that existed in that courthouse and those people were all Democratic voters. Well, it's not just it's not oh, just no, wait, whether no, they're Democrat. No, no, it's it's no, you, no. there's a there's a lot of there's people that feel that that they for, align they align with a particular party. So does the federal workforce. You, you, you know there, there's no question about that. So so if you if you look what you're getting is this huge you know the, the, this huge you know paternalistic patronage problem probably. The economic term is the employer of last. The economic term is you're an employer of last resort. Well, but but this is no longer the case. The the federal workforce, the federal workforce now is, and and again, you can analogize this to state workforces as well. The federal workforce is 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 this gigantic bloated bureaucracy that votes predominantly in one direction, and and is subsid you know basically a subsidized a subsidized voting block. If you get, and this goes to your point that you made earlier, getting services out of that group is simply gravy. The real reason they're there and the real reason those jobs have been created is that they are subsidized voters and they know, they all know, who they need to rely on for that paycheck. I, uh, I mean, this is the great, this, this is the great evil. I know, but whenever, whenever, I, whenever I have these discussions units. with our our more right-wing gentleman on the show. Uh, there's a few, you know, you have to admit, for somebody who's in the middle, 
I have way more right wing guys than left uh, uh, on the show because, by the way, you guys bring a lot to the table and you're brilliant. But the th- the thing they're always I always have to push back a little bit is that you think this is 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 so one dimensional? It's not. The only the only president in the last six that actually probably decreased the size of the federal bureaucracy was Clinton. You know, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just saying this is this is know. not. It's not like. Bush or Trump got in there and tried to fire people. They didn't. But you're asking you're asking me why we keep pumping money out. The well, reason we what, keep what I'm saying is is from a from a uh, long term view, somehow or another, the the representatives that just want to get past this this hurdle. But if you, if you look at who benefits by by government largesse, Lou, we we could the answer is anybody who has access. Anybody, any, I, I tend to agree with that. Anybody, and, and how you get but, access but is, is, is don't is, don't discount the tremendous influence of public sector I, unions. Without a doubt, I mean, why why do uh, African American people have such a dramatically more minority status than Hispanics? When in some cities there are less less of them, and why Asians? It's like they don't even exist, right? From a minority standpoint, I mean, you 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 have to become a political force to be a minority, <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's it's you know you have you have to reach a certain status to be considered the right minority. This is not new. This goes back years, right? I mean, it, I, my my point is that for for the political class, the single most important ability is not management skills. It's not governing skills it's not a particular political philosophy philosophy it's the ability to raise money well sure that is the single most important factor in, for any elected official and the people around them the, the, I, I would say money. I'd say it a different way Lou economically the the thing that and I'm I'm on a scale of one to ten I'm probably a two or a three but that puts me way ahead of virtually everybody in terms of an understanding of how much money the federal government gives out to people, and how, and everybody who has a who had an ounce of brains, which I maybe I'm just starting to get, if you if you support these people, how much it's in your pocket for the rest of your life, you never have to do anything. And I've had people come in here and tell me, Chief, what is the matter with you in the business you're in? When <laughs> what you're fighting the markets all the time, you're doing stuff for people. A lot of times. Uh, you're doing, you know, you, people aren't happy. The market is 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 hard to deal with. Investments, people come and they go, they die. So why don't you just get yourself, you know, the the, the linen job for the jail or something, <laughs> where, where you're going to play golf the rest of your life and have this big big fat thing. All you do is contribute to people, and you'll never you'll never you, you and your family be wealthy, or get or get yourself a saloon in the airport or do do something that's politically correct. I'm just starting to figure this out, Lou. I could have my life could have been a lot different. And a lot well, easier, well, you know. Well, I mean, well, right? I, I, I mean, w- when I was, when you and I were in high school, the 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 political guys, the guys who were really interested in politics, they were interested in public policy. Yeah, you know, they were interested not anymore. In whatever. No, no, that that's the truth. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the the management, the political management class that's sitting out there now, it's it's pollsters. And and people who can who lobbyists hit a sample, and lobbyists and and the people that can get you money, and that's your political class right now. I mean, if, so, if, I mean, it's it's 
And so, and but, so you, but you talk about I, the money back, going. Back, yeah, we go back to my question. You, you talk about your question. The, the the group that is is handing out. I mean, the people that are getting this dough, and, and it's all over the place. I'm with you, but it's it's a it's a small fraction. All the money spent on the COVID from the two the two administrations. So you, I lump them together. There's no difference in the, in buying people off between the Trump and Biden thing in terms of cash. But and, and they but they did something unusual this time. They sent regular people a bone in the mail of a check. Yet if you looked at the PPP, which is outrageous, the people that got a lot of this money, and you look at the checks sent to people, it's like 25 or 30 percent of the entire number spent. I mean, nobody looks at the, the idea that United Airlines, they, they, they never missed, missed a trip to the can. The guy never missed a check. And yet, what did they do? They they those those people in the last ten years, all they did, for with every piece of cash they had, was buy back stock. They didn't buy one friggin' plane in ten years. And the last time we bailed them out was nine eleven. They they haven't changed anything. the The amount of people like uh, that. They, no, and that's and that's you know I, I think that's probably much like you you saw the railroads in yeah. the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. What what. People refer to as regulatory capture, or, or actually industry capture, has happened with the FAA and the airlines, and and so you have you have a, a very symbiotic relationship between you know between the the airlines and the, the Federal Aviation Administration uh, that that results in in things like you know the Southwest meltdown and and the air air yeah. traffic control failing and. And because because there's no push from the industry, you know the industry doesn't attack the FAA, and and the FAA rarely, only rarely attacks the industry, and if it does, it does it in very you know very limited, small bites. Um, I, but to go back to your point, money gets pumped into this system because it benefits, you know it benefits the players. You you literally have a, a circumstance where the people controlling the money. Are are beholden to the people who want the money. Oh, without a doubt. And but the, but the the amount is the part that's really hard. We just got a, a text from one of our listeners. He was actually a, a veteran, uh, and he said, "What do I have against public sector employees?" The answer is, I have nothing against them. I did. What 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 I what I, what I have I, nothing against public sector employees. I'm against public sector employee unions. Well, I, I, I am against some some of that. But I but I, you look at the for instance the. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'll pick her name out because I'm not a big fan of hers. Elizabeth Warren was a driving force behind this consumer. Was it the consumer something something? It's almost like a cabinet level position. Where they oh yes, the the the, what, the uh, consumer yeah. financing yeah. something protection act. Yeah. yeah, no, that thing that that thing that was unconstitutional when they set it up. Well, the thing that's actually funded by the Federal Reserve or something. Yes, it's it's. But, an, but, it's e- an, but in either case, what, what I have against. The, the employees, and, and certainly not at an individual level, because I always believe people go to work and do something, at least I think they do. Uh, I think they were going to hire 15,000 people in that group. Now, it's not like we don't have uh, the FCC, we don't have all kinds of other places, control of currency, uh, the Fed, they're supposed to be watching banks. All the, the idea that we need another whole group to duplicate on the top of this. Now, the 15,000 people now you're going to have to have before you do that. Well, now you got to have fifteen thousand desks, but you got to have procedures. Somebody's got to write the procedures. You need a human resources group. At the end of the day, the fifteen thousand people in this one building, looking for stuff to do, because I'm in a very regulated industry. 
where the amount of regulators starts to exceed the amount of people in the industry. At the end of the day, you can take the entire 15,000 people, not at an individual personal level, and one day just move the building, and nobody would know the difference, Lou. Nobody would know the difference. I mean, when you, at the end of the day, the TSA, I don't want a plane going dropping from the air. I don't want any of that stuff happening. But the idea that 60,000 people, this is what they're going to do forever, is wind people down at Air Force? Air, Air, we, do, we don't need that. I mean, it doesn't mean that any, any person from the TSA who goes to work doesn't do the best job he can. I think he or she does. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's like how many... Go to this, the... Uh, let me give you an example from my, my own industry. Uh, we, have, we have something called the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that has yeah. hundreds of offices throughout the United States that process complaints under the federal civil rights law. Every state has a parallel organization with a parallel bunch of people that process complaints under the state civil rights law. Almost nobody sues under their local state civil rights law, well, especially in Cook County, or especially in Illinois. Do you know why? Because the the Illinois Human Rights Act and the offices that staff it are are totally useless in terms of of managing these these cases. They are are a disaster. And if you go in through that process, you you basically see the classic make-work kind of of jobs. Um, Nobody in their right mind it gets a case into that into that system because it takes forever to process it. It's it's redundant to the federal system, and but but you know everybody everybody jumped on that that gravy train because this was a way to show it was it was virtue signaling. This is the way to show our our state cares about civil rights, and and we're you know we're going to set up this parallel. Yeah, we got we got we got to have a group, got to have an organization, right, parallel group to to handle it, even though. It's simply replicating what happens at the at the federal level in in most cases. Now, some states some states are much more restrictive and, and draconian than the feds, but but the bottom line is most of those most of those positions could simply go away. Well, but and just a very low level, and I always look at I'm one of these guys, Lou, that thinks that the, you start from the bottom and add up. You don't go from the top and, and look down. I think you get a different view. You go into the insurance exchange here. You go to the board of trade building. Insurance Exchange used to be, you know, 90% full. I think it's a huge building. We used to have offices over there. There was a security desk in the middle, basically a guy giving directions to people, you know, looking for people in the building. One spot in the middle, he could look all different directions. Well, now, they took out that spot. Now, the building has to be, at most, any given day, 20% occupied. It's in foreclosure. You go through every door, and there's one or two people standing there. These are young able-bodied men and women there's got to be eight people standing there with doing this quote security Lou we can't find they they should be engineers <laughs> they should be something I mean what what a waste of time when you're 25 years old I mean it it's useless I mean not, not that you don't need security not that they individually are useless they're getting to work they look good they're having a job they're pleasant they're doing I'm sure they're trained but for God's sake Lou what what are we what are we doing? We have all, all these buildings with eight or ten people waiting for somebody to. I mean, would it would it be better if we just all behaved ourselves? And we wouldn't need that stuff. I mean, I, I what a waste. Uh, I I agree, I agree, and it's it's. But but again, at, at least the greener jobs, Walmart's eighty years old. These people are able-bodied twenty-five. 
all, all of these jobs, you know, created by regulatory requirements or or your tort law system or whatever. But but that that expansion is is in large part what's what's funding your uh, you know the the let's spend as much as we can in the in the federal government. Look at the craziness. I mean, just the craziness you're getting on the pushback on this debt ceiling. Anybody with with half a brain in some financial sense would be saying we should not be raising our debt right now, our debt limit right now. I don't want the government to spend more. Inflation is inflation is bad. Well, we can't at this point, Lou. You, that's what I'm saying. Even a guy like you, and again, I'm not putting myself any higher in the pecking order. Even a guy like you, you you can't not raise your debt ceiling when you're going through a million dollars in forty seconds. I know, I know. But, I mean, what, but so, what are you so going to what are you going to do? <laughs> well, the trade-off the trade-off is is what is is what I think at least some of the trade-off is what's reflected in the you know the house the house plan, which is fine. We'll give you the debt ceiling, but but we've got to cut back in certain areas. You also got to take you got to take away some of these incredible non-paying episodes to rich people. You've uh, you've I'm, got you've, you've got to get rid of the of the of the walk up on this on the if somebody croaks that nobody ever pays taxes on the gains. You you got to get rid of some of this stuff, Lou. It's uh, it is amazing welfare for the rich. It's well, the corporate largesse is is flowing in a, in a variety of directions. I would be happy to cut to cut some of them, or or at least at least have some kind of an intelligent. If we're going to do industrial policy, let's do it in an intelligent way rather than a just a politically back scratching way. Well, I mean, you've got uh, you know, it's just the idea that that I mean, everybody. You, you mean you talked about. And we got a dash here, but you talked about the ridiculousness of the Biden bills and how they were going to do all this good stuff, you know, infrastructure and everything. You, 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 of course, forget about the Trump tax cut bill, which was going to give us more, more revenue. Which, of course, it actually we are getting more revenue because of the inflation, but it has nothing to do with it. The idea that you that, that the corporations pay twenty one percent and other people pay thirty five, I, 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 I don't get it, Lou. I mean, I don't. Yeah, if you actually looked at that bill. It is now it is now more advantageous for you to set up overseas than before. Yeah. Yep. Uh, as I said, I, I'm I'm fine with some type of industri- intelligent industrial policy, but that's not what we're getting. No, it's not. Lou, take care of yourself. I assume the uh, skiing is all over. There's got to be a few places that are still open, huh? Uh, yes. There are two areas that are going to be open until July 4th, I think. That's got to be. Uh, was it Loveland is one of them, or who's? Loveland, yeah, and uh, the coast, the north uh, places with north-facing slopes. All right, bud. Will you take care of yourself? Talk at you next week. SP Futures up 28. NASDAQ Futures up 282. The big number, the big number. NVIDIA up 88 bucks. It's almost 30%. Easy money. We'll be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. And trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 
$1,000 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProtoRock can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProdirect.com. PTIProdirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, no big stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP futures up 28, Nasdaq futures up 289, and uh. Seemingly no stopping it. Well, Nvidia is now up 89 bucks, 29 percent. Seems to have caught a few people short, but the uh, you know the, the guy who <laughs> runs the place came out and said, "Oh God, you know." Uh, and, and by the way, um, America is desperately looking for another bubble. We know that. Uh, Dan, what do you think about all this? I hope you get. Uh, did you have uh, buy a hundred lot of Nvidia calls? Are you retiring today, or what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's mostly the fear of missing out. Um, there's been so much talk about AI uh, recently that. That I think that's really uh, driving the the, um, the price and um, the fact that they're actually doing better than expected. Um, I think gives gives the market a little bit of confidence, but certainly gives AI a lot of you know a lot of backing. So that's you know it, I don't know if it lasts, but but uh, unfortunately I didn't get in ahead of time. But um, Tech tech sector is not really our our strength, but we are making money in T bills. <laughs> yeah, well, the uh, uh, the straddle was twenty bucks roughly because I looked at maybe doing an earnings play, but I, I didn't, thank God. Uh, so we blew through the the straddle uh, what four and a half times. I don't know if I don't know what when I've ever seen that Dan. And and if you look at these guys, they make roughly a buck a share. So let's say it's four bucks a year. So if if you just looked at the $89 it's up today what is that uh tw- um 22 times earnings on just the move 
Yeah. I mean, what is... But uh, I'll tell you what, the guy who runs the place, he is a master. He should be a two-bit carni- a, a, a carnival barker. I mean, he's... Yeah. I mean, I I don't... When people used to do this for banks in, in 29s, they all went to jail. I mean, uh, I don't you know. The uh, they, they plan on having a really good quarter and coming in next quarter, so they... But it was... And I, you know, the stock is up. Uh, right now, if you look at the, the trailing earnings, or even at you know, take the four something a year, we're talking a hundred times earnings. Yeah. And it's a question of, uh, did I just, these guys just drop? No, no, that was a, I don't know. Do I have these, I got these things trading $62 up and then $89 up. Something's weird here. But, uh, I got them up 89 bucks. Is that what you have? Um, anyway, but I mean, it's, uh, these are, these are, are numbers that are, is it a, is it a mark of, of a very healthy market, Dan, or a mark of a, I mean, I, there, are I, pe- there are people on the I, show, uh, Joel the other day said, you know, Chief, you're just going to have to roll with the flow that there's going to be six or seven companies that own everybody else, and you just got to get on board. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the tech space especially, the, the larger names, the mega mega names are, are working. And if if you are, you know, just observant about what, what's going on in the world, you, you, you're going to realize that they – you know that that in this case size matters with these companies it's not the startups in this environment it's not the new ideas that are coming from the smaller startups it's the larger more established companies nvidia is an established company my question is sustainability based on the overall market and the overall economy we're still in a period of slower growth and that's likely to continue it's it's absolutely going to continue um throughout this year so you know this little pop in nvidia i think if you've made it, there might be, you know, it might be time to trim your position a little. Um, you know, if you're a long-term holder, I think that's fine. But, but I do think that it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, 100 times earnings is is going to be sustainable in an environment of slower growth. So these companies will be impacted by by slower growth. You know, the consolidation in the industry, I think, was inevitable, as it has been in many other industries. It's just a question of. You know, I don't. I don't like to use the word policing, but just the question of making sure that they're held accountable. Um, you know, as they continue to grow, because that has been an issue with some other companies, certainly other industries, banking, and um, so that that would be my concern. And, and you know, one bad experience from one of the chip makers, and they could go down. You know, and I'm not talking about anytime soon, but. In the in the near future, I think I would be. I would not be overweight. Well, Dan, what do you what do you think of? Uh... I'm I'm sort of stunned in that for years and years, I mean, it, first of all, it, it 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 moves to me. I don't know who the people are that are managing managing these places. Uh, I mean, are they are they making so much money that they just they just they forget to innovate or something? I mean, you and I have been around a long time where Intel was was the, was the cat's ass in the building in the, in the business. Absolutely. And and you had you had ADM was trading five bucks and Intel was sixty bucks and Intel did what ninety some percent and and ADM was just like some they were they were like just a little little bump somewhere where you could say the business was somewhat competitive if you really if you really wanted to hide your head in the sand because it wasn't even competitive it was Intel's business then you had those, then these guys pop up and then you had more Micron doing their stuff too but they were always on kind of a, a different type of platform but I. Are we, are we going to say that that under no circumstances ever Intel is never going to be able to compete in this area? What have they been doing for the last thirty years? Just just collecting bazillions a year as a CEO or what? 
Yeah, I think I think it's really predominantly the AI that where where um, Nvidia's sort of taken the lead. That there's still going to be room for for Intel, and I I would tend to favor companies that are steady eddies. I mean, it, it's the the world is moving very quickly. I mean, technology moves extremely quickly, but we can also see certain um, people in the technology. You know, the leaders in some of the technology uh, names have, you know, when they stumble, they stumble and, and the stocks fall hard. So I would just say be, be careful because um, technology changes rapidly. It's it's all about AI right now. NVIDIA is certainly in the lead. Take a, you know, but, but certainly don't necessarily rule out any of these other companies because there, I think there's going to be room for everyone going forward. But I do think right now in the near term, it's going to take a while to get to that point. What is it's what not going to happen? It's not going to happen. Um, you know, this isn't going to go up in a straight line. There's going to be a lot of volatility um, as the industry grows. AI is still a new topic. It's you know, it's not something that's it's not an established area. A lot of the work that Intel does is in a step. It has been in established um, industries and established businesses. So I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't rule them out. I wouldn't rule out any other chip maker in this environment because I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be um, room for everyone. But I do think this is a slow, slow growth environment. It's not going to be, you know. I still want to see the catalysts for growth, and I don't see those. Well, it's funny. I don't know if you listen when uh, when Kevin's on because this is, you know, this has been his. He and Carl are kind of our, our I'll use the term, our experts on this stuff because that's what those guys did or do, and uh, and it's it. It's pretty. It's. I'm going to say that 90% of the people that are on TV are going to be pushing artificial intelligence today. Couldn't de- couldn't define it. They couldn't find their ass with both hands if they had to talk about it. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, uh, both Kevin and Carl say the, all this stuff. None of it's new. It's a progression. It's being able. You knew that you'd like to be able to do this 20 years ago, but you didn't have the the way to to keep the data together. Okay. Then Oracle found a way to 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 mass. To massively keep a lot of data, right? So that was a step forward. Everything's kind of a step forward, but we were just two months ago. We're having this conversation regarding the cloud. Is the cloud? Are we never going to hear that term again? I, I think we'll hear that term again. I, I, I think there's just you know it's the term of the day. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Nvidia, you know, AI is sort of the flavor of the day or the flavor of the month or maybe even the flavor of the year. Um, but it's but I think you know like I said, the technology moves very quickly, which is one of the reasons. We are long-term investors. Um, we're not looking yeah. necessarily to, to put money in. I mean, we're we're more on the you know we're more income-focused investors, and we don't see tech names as being ones that that pay dividends or high dividends or or have the income possibility. And we also see a lot of volatility, you know. And if you're willing to, you know, to hold it for the long run, you'll be fine. But you just have to expect some bumps in the short term here. Well, the Nvidia was three twenty-one, and then it traded down to. Just a bit yes. over a hundred. Yeah, good point. And now, and now the old, the old high was three twenty one, and last night it went through the old high basically like dinner through a goose. So I I, I don't know that I I could have well I do have a bunch of people that are in, in Nvidia, and, and I'm going to say that I won't get any calls today to say let's lock some of this in. It's just going higher. I mean, and, uh, and I at some point you got to say, you know, I would like to have seen somebody who. Maybe protected themselves at three twenty one, and as it went down, down protected yourself a little less, and then on the, and then maybe didn't have any when it was down at a hundred. I hope, and uh, but now I, I gotta I gotta believe if I have a you know client that has a thousand shares of Nvidia, I'm saying hey, when when 
when when do you want to sell a hundred of this? I mean, I, you know, even though even though you're a long, I think trimming. I think trimming some of it in, at this point makes sense. You know, starting to to trim some of the position in here makes sense. I mean, you can't be greedy. Um, the, I think to step back a little though, the the environment that we're in right now, um, I still believe slower growth, continued contraction in the economy. Um, and it's going to take longer. I mean, uh, you know, thought that I had uh, from spending some time in Boston uh, last week, besides visiting a couple companies um, while I was there, I just got a sense because we live in a very different world here in Southwest Florida. And I would say Boston is probably a lot more like Chicago, you know, New York, LA, where you have a, a difficulty finding, I mean, there's been a difficulty finding labor still. We don't see it as much on the service side here as you do in other places. But delays, bad service, poor quality are all a result of the labor issues that we have. Those need to be fixed first. And hopefully the, the some of the resolution with the debt ceiling will help with that. But I don't see a catalyst for growth because there's, there's all this debt. We have much higher interest rates. Um, we have a, a lot of, um, you know, I think people want to stay optimistic and they, they want to see uh, a chance for continued upside and the market has had a better tone in general, but I don't think it lasts. I think we're going to be, there's going to be a lot of bumps in the next year in the equity market. I think it's also the time to stay away from risky assets. So uh, to talk about high yield for a minute, um, high yield bonds are actually trading a little bit, a little bit better than their long-term average. The spread, the difference between the yield on the bond and the, and the, and the treasury yield is actually narrower than the average, the historical average. So, but looking at the bid offer spreads on high yield bonds, they've really widened out. And as a high yield manager who's been through, you know, 87, 80, you know, through all of the, the downturns in the market, this happens before we see a downturn. And the high yield market, I think, is one of the smartest um, sub-markets, if you will, or, or financial markets out there because people are, you need to understand both the equity market and the fixed market. So my, uh, you know, look, we had talked about some of the small cap names, um, even the best small cap names that are really well capitalized, that, that don't have a lot of debt on their balance sheet, that have really good prospects, have sold off. And they may, you know, they'll come back for a day or two and then they continue to sell off. So if you look at the performance trend this just this year we've seen this gradual sell-off of some of the names that had screaming buyer recommendations by a lot of people on the street and though these are the name these names that i'm specifically talking about would be the riskier the smaller cap the micro cap the lower quality high yield names that have a lot of debt so those are the those are the companies that i think would be at the most risk those are the stocks and bonds i think they're going to be at the most risk here not the time to be stepping into like a new idea or a new technology. Um, financing is going to continue to be an issue. I do think we've also not seen the impact of high rates to its fullest extent yet because the rate hikes have happened very quickly. We actually, in a sense, are seeing it with the issues around the debt ceiling, but we're, but we're not seeing it um, fully played out yet. So. There will be a point, and yes, the Fed could cut if that point comes, but I think that point is a long way from now. And going back to what I originally said about, you know, people, you know, still having trouble finding help. And more importantly, what I've recognized recently, 
a lot of money. People who are in the labor market are making a lot more money than they ever had. So wages are higher, um, and there's still a demand out there for continue, you know, for, for workers. When you say well, okay, what when you say that what 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 level are you looking at? A level of wages or level of yeah. What what level are we talking about? I, on a percentage basis. Clearly. I'd say in some cases it's you know if at the entry level positions I think in some cases are double, you know at least sixty seventy percent more um, to hire entry level people. I know it's very tough. I, I'm sure it's the same way in Chicago. If you go into a a service place, whether it be a restaurant or any any place that has has uh, service, um, it's not like the old days where you see that you know the good old people that you knew. I mean, there's been so much turnover. And there is demand still. People do have money, so they still want to go out and do things and spend money. But they get discouraged. Um, travel, for example, I was on a flight. My flight to Boston was delayed three hours because they didn't have staff. They didn't have enough uh, flight attendants. So, you know, those type of delays, um, getting the rental car, they, cl they closed the place early because, there were, you know, there wasn't enough staff. So I saw quite a bit of it up there, and I have to remind myself that that trend is still going on. In order to hire a new person, where just a few years ago they could pay, you know, fifteen dollars an hour, now they're having to pay upwards to twenty-five. Well, the, for those those positions. I think, uh, Dan, you and I, if we could, uh, was the movie where they, they stopped time and I got, if we could stop time for about a month, <laughs> you and I, I think there's there's probably five or six amazing studies I would like to do here, and then and then re-enter the workforce a minute a minute later or something, but. There's like there's no. T I think if you were to take right now, this is the most fascinating economics time I've ever seen in my lifetime. You know, maybe maybe the late '70s were or something, but uh, almost on the same level. But this is this is really something. I think when you look at the at the different levels, uh, you're saying yeah. And, uh, let's say five years ago or three years ago, you could hire somebody in a restaurant for ten bucks an hour. Now you're you're not coming close to that. Yet if you go back twenty years. That person didn't get a raise for twenty years. Okay, That's so, true. so yes. now, so now all of a sudden, the the prices of which you're one of the dudes that comes on. Well, one of the dudes, Russell comes on. Russell's a McDonald's lover. He goes, the inflation at McDonald's is dramatic. It's it's you know it's fifteen twenty percent a year without 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 a question. The last three or four years, maybe even more. So yeah, I mean McDonald's. I think they're they're still. Doing way better on the on the, the selling end than they are on the labor end, because on percentage terms, you, you know it, the paying the paying the person now twenty or eighteen or twenty instead of ten, yeah, it seems like a lot, but it's still only ten bucks. You know, right but, on the, on but, that level, you know. I, but I was going to also mention on the higher, you know, on the the you know the professional level, you know, the the people who are are. Um, Working as management consultants or working as um, you know nurses, for example, or, or nurse practitioners. I have a neighbor who's a nurse practitioner who I, I'm not going to say her salary, but it's in the multiple hundreds of thousands in an area where the cost of living is very very low. Part of the problem with her, which is the same issue that I think we're having in a lot of industries and even in our industry to a certain degree, is just finding other people to support what she does. So the you know the people who are at that end of the spectrum that that have stuck it out are working probably working harder longer hours, um, but they're also getting paid more. So the the organizations are having to 
up the salaries of the experienced people as well just to keep them because there's this void at the entry level of people coming into the business. I'm with so, you. I just wonder, Dan, if what a very we we both have all these examples that we know of that we that we cite, and obviously because both of us pay attention to what's going on around us. I really wonder, though, at, at the at the at the one level, you're going to find somebody in the in the right spot in the nurse practitioner that knows the hours to get and maybe is is going to get themselves up pretty high. But I wonder if just your your, your regular staff nurse, now that the overnight stay in in a, in a hospital in Chicago is like eleven grand or some ridiculous number like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, the I mean the, the the chances of the people working in that spot that night taking care of those ten people. If you were to add those salaries together, I'll bet they don't come up to five hundred of the of the eleven grand. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm saying if you if you just. Look I agree. At the, yeah, I agree. But 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 uh, but I think to your point, there's also I'd say on the cost side in general, it's not just labor. There's other costs involved. Yes, and, I agree. And, but I, what yeah. I'm saying is the the, the 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 whining you hear of, of people on the upper end, of in terms of. I mean, I, when I say the whining, I, it was this Thai restaurant. The people are terrific, and the guy they gave this is during COVID. They gave the guy a. Uh, the cook a raise from twelve bucks to eighteen bucks an hour. And like, man, we like fifty percent. Well, yeah, but you, you raised everything on the menu, twenty five percent, and the dude's right. pumping out fifty dinners an hour. I mean, they, they, you know, the, his revenue to you just went up one hundred and fifty bucks an hour, and you raised him six. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, what I'm saying is, I, I don't know the answer to this, Dan. I think you and I both have. I, I'd love to spend some time and actually take. Four or five. I think the people in the in the mid management, the people who make the hundred eighty to ninety to a hundred thousand dollars a year, like at a, at a real solid job at a real solid place, I don't think they're up twenty percent in the last two years at all. As a matter of fact, I think to a large extent, the, the family who lives in the burbs, the combined wage of of two and a quarter, I'm going to say that group is being strangled even as much as the low level people. Yeah, and I and I do agree with you that the that the um, you know that the organizations that are trying to make it or or the contractors or whatever you know the people who are in fields have absolutely um, kept their their prices up um, more than a more you know in a higher percentage level than than they're paying employees. They're trying to pass through not only pass through their higher costs but possibly use this as a time to um, to increase costs. What I will say, though, about that is there. This is all going to come to equal an equilibrium point. It's all going to level off as the Fed continues to hike rates. We're going to see this, but the thing, the the kind of the the point I wanted to make is just that it's going to take longer than we may have initially in, in, yes, um, thought. This this period's going to be dragged on for. And the other thing is, I do want to believe in the American consumer. I do believe in the American consumer, and what I would say is, based on that that based on American consumers being smart, they're, they're going to continue to pay the higher dollar, but then there's going to be an alternative. And it's that, you know, what we learn in economics, the, the, the substitution theory, you're going to go somewhere else where you can have that experience that not only is going to offer better prices, but better quality and better service. So, so, and I don't mean just food, I mean whether it be a contractor or, um, you know, you're gonna, and it's still going to be those people that are, the people that are working, that are running those small businesses, you want the people that are in it for the long run. Yes. 
So, you know, you and, and that's really what's going to make it. They're the ones who are going to make it through the system. I think it's going to be, it's what I would refer to as a gradual erosion. Just like I was saying, if you look at the stock prices of these small cap companies from the beginning of the year, it's this gradual erosion. There's kind of a, it's not like, you know, there may be some cases where there was a sharp line, um, you know, that a down, you know, like a, a couple of days where it was down 10 or 20%. But from then, it continues to just uh, drop a little. Same thing is happening with the economic growth. We're seeing that continued slowness. So the numbers that are coming out in the next few weeks will be interesting, looking at CPI, looking at the jobs report. Those are both going to come out prior to the next Fed decision. I think, although it's not consensus at this point, but I do think we're going to see another 25 in June. I think the Fed is, I, think, I, I don't think the inflation, I was I was actually one of the people, you know, Dan, about six months ago that thought they might actually have, been, have a bend to it. I don't think there's a bend to it at all now. I, I, I think it's 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 higher right now than it, than it has been in a year. I think the Fed goosing that money back in when they did for Silicon Valley, they basically haven't even started here, which is even even bizarre to me. But but I mean, look at what but look at look what's happening in the in the market here. And this question I, I, I want to ask you for sure. Uh, two questions. One one a trading question. But we've just added in Nvidia itself. There's two and a half billion shares outstanding. It's up ninety two bucks. That's what is that? That's uh that's how many it's like three hundred billion dollars in market cap. Yeah. Now that's now that's wealth on people's sheets, it's buying power. We've got Microsoft, how many gazillion shares do they have outstanding? They're up eight bucks here. So, I mean I think the, the blowing up of these six or seven stocks that's put more money back in the system than the Fed has taken out. And and I think more money is going to continue to to be put back in the system, but but again, it's going to be on a more, you know, it's going to be in a discretionary basis. It's not going to be money that's just flooding, say, the SPY well, or, or right. You know, but I mean, that. but are we going to? I mean, is, uh, I can't I can't not ask this other question, but one quick one first. Now, what is Nvidia? I mean, could it be five hundred, six hundred, two thousand? Are we going to get two thousand kind of valuations where we don't care? It's just, it's just going to go higher. In Microsoft, is there some number on this thing? It's up to twenty sometimes earnings, which is a lot for Microsoft. But why not five hundred? Why not eight hundred? I mean, I know I'm being a little silly, but why? I mean, I don't think people. Yes, yesterday morning, if I would have said Nvidia's going up ninety-two bucks, you'd have said I was silly. Now here it is, and everybody's going, "Gee, was it, now is it going to five hundred? Right? But I also think a lot of the investors on the side um, are looking for specific names, and 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 I do think, and my answer to you would be that there's a sailing. Um, in the short run, like say over the next year, at least through the rest of this year, there will be a sailing. There can be continued interest and there could be continued hype. And I think literally today, I would call it the fear of missing out with NVIDIA. Oh, yeah. So that's what drives us into that momentum part. And the momentum part of the, of the, the stock um, cycle is what we try to avoid because we're not looking to, our investment style does not um, favor momentum. I mean, certainly in your personal account, um, it would be nice to, to have that run, but you have to watch it very carefully. And could it go, you know, could you see NVIDIA at a couple thousand a few years from now? I don't think we're going to see that until after we have this equilibrium in the market. I don't know if you want to call it a soft landing or a hard landing, but once the job market comes back into line, once we have some global issues um, settled, I mean, there's still talk about, you know, the Chinese market not recovering as quickly as, you know, China didn't recover as quick quickly as expected after their COVID lockdowns. So there's a lot of other things that, um, at play, but 
don't forget, rates are much higher, and that's going to continue. All right, to I, got, I, got, I, got, I have to ask my rate question, Dan. Um, we've we've seen the, the short term. We're both getting over five for our people, and uh, we're probably going to run over here in a minute, but if that's all right with you, uh, uh, we're seeing our people getting and your people getting five, five and a half—not five and a half—but on the uh, thirty. Uh, three-month and six-month bills. We're seeing mortgage rates blow through 7% yesterday. Uh, I'm going to say that the thing that I'm looking here right now that doesn't match up is this 10-year rate. Are we at the point where we want to we want to think we think that's going to go to 45 and, and, and and start shorting some of these bonds, or should we be... I, I don't know when I've seen a, a mortgage... I'll be very careful with longer-dated treasuries, and, and for, for someone who's been a bond manager for 40 years... The, the, the caution that I that I say is um, if you look even shorter like say five to you know three to three to seven years there's you know you, you're not getting paid for the potential no no I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about investing in them I'm talking about as a trade should we be essentially uh, playing the other side of that curve in other words should we be betting for them to go up yeah I mean I, I it's 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 hard to say because it as the economic news comes out that's weaker that also causes um investors to put money that's into treasuries true. so there's there's the you know that's the part we're still going to have you know if we get this debt ceiling issue resolved we're going to probably have more money coming in from from uh foreign investors as well um a sense of confidence so that will probably drive down rates but we can't bet on that. I think what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks is going to is really going to determine on the future direction. If you're going to take, if you're looking to take a little bit of a bet, which we have, um, one month T bills we were buying at seven percent yesterday. Wow. So that's that's um, that's. I would rather take the risk there. Um, you know that both McCarthy and Biden have both said we are absolutely not going to default. I would tend to agree just because it hasn't been. We've only seen it once would, in, would you- in our history. Would you? I mean, one last question. Would you buy a used car from either one of those people? No, God no. (laughs) (laughs) Are you? you, I wouldn't buy a hot dog on the street from if they were hot dog vendors. I wouldn't buy a hot. Are you? Are you in studio next week or the week after? Yes, next week I'll be there uh, next Thursday the first. All right, I can be there first thing in the morning. That'd be great, bud. Fine, let me know where you are. Maybe we'll maybe we'll pick you up or something. We drive in. SP Futures up twenty nine. Nasdaq Futures up twenty four. Back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities Luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Lawn, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. One of the most amazing mornings here that we've had. Well, we've got a lot of amazing mornings. The one stocks and jocks, but this is one of the most uh, amazing. Uh, Nvidia beats on revenue and. Uh, and earnings, but not not that much. 109 versus like 90 something. And the stock, uh, all of a sudden, the guy comes out and says, "Boy, this thing is going to go to the moon." We get all this extra stuff with the AI. This is the chairman, uh, so he ups the forecast. And the stock the stock was just up like 94 hours. Now it's come back a little. Only oh, 88 is taking everybody else with it. It's got Microsoft up eight bucks, two and a half percent. But the Dow uh, is actually down. Dow futures are down 66. S and P is up 30. Nasdaq up 296. I mean, that's a that's a lot. Uh, when we start talking about it, we're talking about 200 and, $250, 40000000000 billion added market cap in one night. I mean, it's a... I don't know when I've seen that before. I mean, it's a... God's sake, they used to be like the biggest company five years ago wasn't worth 200... or 10 years ago wasn't worth $250 billion. Uh, DAX down 12 points. Uh, 0.1%, say. FTSE down 20 points, 0.3%. CAC around down 11.1. So... Moder- very moderately lower in Europe. I mean, it's very moderately. UK up 118.4%. UK's almost at like a 20-year high. Hang Seng, however, is at a, a one-year low. Down another 369. Under 19,000 now, 18,746. Shanghai's down 3, 3201. They're, they're back. They're, they're like in a low, too. So the Asia markets are kind of all over the place. Yesterday, Dow was down 255. S&P's down 30. So S&P has made back virtually all of the 30. The NASDAQ was only down 76, so being up 278, I mean, they've made their, their way up on the two days. Uh, the other two, not so much. Bonds, 10-year up two basis points, 3.74. The bond unchanged, 2.445. Japan up three basis points, 0.43. We've got oil 
uh, down 128, so the rally stopped there, it appears. 73.06, Brent up down 121, 77.15. Natural gas down 4 cents, 235. We've got gold down 370, 1960 is uh, the strength of the dollar is just taking a beating on this gold. Silver down another 8 cents, 23.15. Copper up 3 cents, 359. Uh, crypto up 150, 26,427. Uh, and the U.S. dollar, we've got it, uh, it's, it's uh, up again today. The, the euro's down almost to 107, 107.1. And the British pound is 123. So there's been a 3 or 4% move in these in the currency in the last three weeks, which is driving a lot of what we're seeing. Not NVIDIA. NVIDIA is just the hope of the world now with this AI. And it's taking some stocks with it. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. All right, it is 738 here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with some sports. Got some wins from both the Cubs and the White Sox. The Cubs beat the Mets 4-2. And the White Sox swept 6-0 against the Guardians. <laughs> Cubs played against the, uh, uh, the Mets, that was. Uh, but over in Phoenix, the Diamondbacks lost to the Phillies. And over Chicago weather, it is currently 50 degrees right now. Going to have a high of 62 today. Uh, cloudy skies right now. The wind chill might be bringing the temperature down a little bit. Uh, but over in Phoenix, they're at 72 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 99 today. And that's going to hit somewhere between 3 to 6 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully not many changes from our first report in the first hour. It uh, looks like traffic is very, very heavy if you're coming in from the north side through that Kennedy construction all the way from, let's see, about uh, Bryn Mawr Avenue all the way to downtown, it looks like. Um, but otherwise, the other inbound roads are in the red, but about the same as usual. Thankfully, no major accidents to report. So that's all I got. Back do we have Mr. You. Flanagan? You do, Tom. Hey, Johnny. Are you, uh, are you taking me to dinner tonight with your NVIDIA calls? <laughs> Oh man, talk about the, the power of the English language. Uh, oh, yeah. When you got nothing else to you know make wealth, you just say the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely, and but people are people have been primed for it. I mean, I know uh, you know we don't usually trade that kind of speculative. But my brother, who's a um, you know very conservative guy, and uh, and he says, you know, with all the hype and that stack in the last couple of weeks, we, we should have smelled this one out. I, I actually did think it was gonna run to the upside and I was looking at maybe a 20-25 hour move and there really was not not a real whole lot of way to play that. I mean I'm looking at the the options last night even to do the the 300 310 spread which you know would have uh would have would have cost you know 6 bucks and you're like okay it's 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 not, it, there's no bargain there. I mean uh, if it was over 310 you know you make $4 but if it went if it didn't go anywhere you lose 6. I mean it just was it, the prices were so high, it was really, really tough to play, even if you had somewhat of a conviction. And a lot of what, what happens, and this is, uh, Janice, more of a little bit of a professional trader sort of uh, speech here. But it's, it's not just your your idea that you think something might be going one way or the other. It's, it's the cost that gets you there, you know. And uh, and, and and the price to a lot of it, to a huge extent determines the strategy. Now most people would say this guy's really going off the deep end this morning. But it's 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 sort of the truth, John. I mean, uh, you know, Nvidia, I don't I think that these guys are on a wave here. But if you sold me the this trade three ninety four seventy nine, but if you if you told me I could buy the, the ninety puts next week for two cents, I'm all over them. Because at that price, 
you know, they're not going to be two cents. But if they were, I'll be bearish for a week. You know, it, it comes down to your, your your sense of the odds. I mean, you not you may you may hate the Cubs, but if they're ten to one underdogs, okay, and some team, you might go, boy, it's this is baseball. A lot can happen in baseball. Ten to one's a little rich. So even though you think they're going to lose, you may actually bet on them. You know what I'm saying? But but Nvidia was it was priced last night where it was really hard to I mean the straddle was twenty three bucks, which is which is a big number. That's you know it's an eight percent move. Well, we got a thirty percent move. Maybe how? But if you look back on earnings for the last for the you know forty years I've been in the business, how many thirty percent moves do you have on earnings? It's got to be one in you know ten thousand or something. So you know you can you can say well I should have been there where the handwriting was on the wall. The, Real quick before I finish this, the biggest, biggest ever handwriting was on the wall. Jan was uh, the United Airlines. I don't know if you remember back in the '80s when they were going to be taken over at 300 bucks a share. Somebody was bidding for them. Was they were going to take them private? The stock started out. You know, I don't know where. You know, 150 somewhere. I don't know where it started. Up, 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 up. and all of a sudden it was going to be the deal was going to go down on a Friday, and every morning that week. Some old line investment firm in the city of Chicago that had owned United Stocks since forever said, you know, even though it's trading 285, 280, uh, and it was the, the price was going to be on Friday, 300 bucks. Somebody said, you know what, we're out, out at 280, we're out at 282, and everybody's laughing at him, saying, you know, what are you doing? You just gave up 18 bucks. This is a done deal. Well, Friday morning on the trading floor it was an expiration Friday because I had I had a trader in that pit. Somebody came in and sold. Uh, <clears throat> something the ninety puts the things trading like two ninety four, the ninety puts were trading like fifteen dollars at noon, and the deal was supposed to go down that weekend. So fifteen bucks and on something that was a sure deal, and somebody they split the thing up. Somebody bought uh, I don't know it was a actually know what somebody came in and bought something like four hundred of those puts for the next week, and they paid like twenty five hours for them or something. Now these things were going to be worthless. In, in five hours or three hours. All of a sudden, the deal's off. Those puts, I think they opened up at like 100, 100 bucks. So you, you sort of you never, you ne- but the point is, I, I thought the deal was not going to go through. But I wasn't about to pay $20 for a put within two hours of the, of the deal supposedly going through. If it had been you know a dollar, I'd have taken a shot at it. But So last night, it would have been very difficult to play NVIDIA because the straddle was high. I mean, people thought there was going to be a move. I mean, nothing like this. So you look back at it and you say, uh, okay, it was, it was, the stock was trading, well, it's trading uh, 396, so the stock was trading 305. And you say, well, God, it was obvious it was going up. Okay, the 310 calls are 9 bucks. That's a lot for two days, right? I mean, I mean you, right. you, you really had to pay to play. So it's this morning, now they're going to be 90, 90 bucks. It seems like an obvious do, but hey, a hundred a lot of those things is ninety grand. That's a lot of dough, right? Yeah, Tom. I mean, this has you know implications for other tech stocks too. Of course, you know this is what everybody's kind of hoping for. That this is something that can you know, have some legs to it and take other uh, you know technologies along with it, which you know the market kind of needs something. I think to break this log jam we're in right. Now. Right now, to me, I mean, I, it's neither you know disastrous nor ecstatic you know responses to anything. 
and you got the banking mess looming over it, and the debt ceiling stuff looming over it, and the Ukraine looming over all these other things that keep people on tenter hooks. Um, but do you see this as a, as something with you know long term power? Does, does this signify a change in the trade winds here, or no? Is this just a, a, a one off? Actually. I, we, we've had this kind of all along, John. First, it was you know the internet, and it was uh, click-throughs, and it was we, there's always this this you know pot at the end of the tunnel, which is which is a lot of it is innovation. Okay, the, the industry's changing toward these other areas, and I don't think there's any question that as your computing power gets better, people get more and more efficient, and it's and it's and it's good for companies, and and it's. To be blunt, it's good for society. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks we're we're, we're worse off than when we had no computers or anything like that. I mean, I I don't. I mean, I, I may be the one luddite left, but I still don't think that's the truth. But the idea being is, a lot of your businesses are just, you know, UPS picking up a box at one place and dropping it off someplace. There, there's there's a there's a health to society that appears to be sinking here a little bit. All these kinds. I mean, yesterday your transportation average was down a percent and a half or something. I mean, I've got a lot of people at uh, UPS stock. It was 208. Now it's 167. Okay, that, that's in two years. I mean, so you're seeing a lot of degradation among the stocks that nobody talks about. Now, this particular, is this going to be another bubble? I mean, is all of a sudden, you know, I mean, when, when you, you'll listen today, I mean, if you listen to the, the boring financial news, there'll be somebody on there in the next hour talking about, oh, man, you got to get on the board and it's artificial intelligence. And, if you don't realize that UPS, once they, they get on board with this stuff, they're going to be so efficient that their stock's going to double. You know what, John? That's a, that's a bunch of crap. I mean, the, the idea that everybody's going to get this huge shot in the arm and this wealth out of nowhere. I mean, a year ago it was the cloud, right? I mean, and, and yep. what did Kevin say the other day? People figured out that the cloud was just bu- buying computer stuff from other people. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean it would, but it, the ability to do that... Yes, it's a huge positive. When he worked for Better World Books and you knew your capacity was going to be double in one month, to be able to buy it from somebody else instead of having to go out and buy a bunch of computers yourself, I'm going to say that uh, to not have to, to staff up or, or, or a product up for, for peak power, is that a huge advance? Yeah, it's a huge advance. But is it? does that make the company worth twice what it was? Yeah, I don't know about that. Obviously, it's an advance, right? You know, but how do they, how do you quantify it? I mean, as I said, the the, the money at four dollars a share, and the movement today, Nvidia is twenty five times earnings or twenty three times earnings. Well, that's a lot. I mean, right now at a stock trading four hundred bucks, at some point you want these guys to be making. Let's say it's even if it's twenty times earnings, they need to be making twenty bucks a year and sending you a check for six. When do you see that? In our lifetime, in your grandkids' lifetime, I mean, somewhere it, it does come back to value, but you can fly ahead of value for a real long time. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't when when uh, remember the dear departed eBay, even though they're still with us. Oh, that, I mean, that was the hottest stock for years for how long? And uh, I mean, and you could have shorted that thing and said, "Boy, it's just another retailer." You'd have shorted that thing for half a decade. You were carried out feet first. You couldn't short it. All it did was go up. And all of a sudden, one day, eh, it's another retailer. Well, I, I I believe, and Dan was sort of agreeing with me, somewhere along the line here, maybe they won't totally catch up. You're going to get a you know some some development. Maybe the they'll throw the people out at Intel finally and get some development out of that place, 
or AMD, I can't believe they're going to stay behind these guys forever. I mean, there's going to be some competition, you would hope. Maybe not, but by, you would hope, right? Yeah. Well, and the Chinese role in all of this, too, you know, is interesting to keep track of because they're, you know, down on U.S. chip manufacturers, bad-mouthing them. Um, and, you know, the, this this kind of handshake deal that the Chinese have had with the U.S. and product development, when all the time it involves theft of technology and spies and everything else, you know, to give them the the, the edge in all of this. Um, I, I think there's there's so much at stake here in the security of this industry, which is going to have huge importance to us. I mean, if AI is as big as people say it is, it's going to be so big we can't control it, which is not a good thing. And I, I think you know, there's there's definitely movement here to get you know a kind of stake in this that's going to drive things in a particular direction. It's got me really concerned. Well, I think the movie Failsafe is the prime well, example. Well, but people are all concerned about it, yet yeah, nobody can even define it. Right. Well, that's and that's even the scary part of it too, Tom. No, nobody understands. At least I, I, I know I don't. The full impact of this, or what it could really do, to just you know a loss of freedom, well, a loss. If you want, if you want, what it really does, just go watch two thousand one. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you end up being the, you know the slave of your machines, in, including when they get tired of you know being your even your slave masters or your slaves, they just do a revolution on you. So. Well, that's right. I, I, but I mean, nobody, all the senators talking about it. Everybody's talking about it, and I'm not. I, first of all, if I was going to talk about it, I would sit in a room with Carl and Kevin for a week, and and maybe people other than that. Right, what exactly is this? What what has happened the last three months? And I think both of those guys would tell you nothing's happened the last three months. It's just this this gradual improvement, gradual. The idea. It's always been a question of not just the intelligence, but the data behind it. Could we could we store the data? Can we go get the data? I mean, look at what you see with uh, the ridiculous in Chicago crime. I'll bring that in for a second. We got we got cameras all over the damn place taking a bazillion pictures. There's supposed to be a way to data mine all this stuff. Yet people shoot out of cars. We get cameras all over the place, and we never catch them. No, I mean, so, somehow or another, we can't we can't put the two and two together. Now, does artificial intelligence enable us to do that? I I don't know. I mean, I, somehow or another, it seems like we're spending a lot of money in a lot of different directions. They don't ever seem to combine, or maybe they do and. People just don't want them to. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, me, with my, my English major background, sees it as the biggest threat to writing and editing, as you know, the human race has understood what those those terms mean in, in terms of preserving culture and you know creating imaginative literature and uh, documenting you know archival structure and everything else to, to keep track of where we've been using the written word. And I just see now that there's there's no cachet in knowing how to write. Um, but I mean, pl- I mean but plagiarism and copying somebody else's homework is not new. No, I'm, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that anybody is even, you know, technically copying anything. It's, the machine is doing it for you. It's cribbing together a text that you can put your name on and maybe claim some copyright in. But it is in your text. Not, I mean, it's got your name on it, and that's it because somebody else produced it. And eventually, there's there's absolutely no reason why anybody wants to be good at writing when there's no. No way to to get your foot ahead well, of anybody else. Saying if, I'm, I'm a better writer than this machine. Well, how are you going to prove that if the machines are doing all the writing? Well, if I were to cut John Flanagan's lawn 50 years ago when I was a kid, 
and I programmed the, the lawnmower to cut it while I sat there and read the newspaper. I guess I still cut the lawn. Yeah, but, you know, the idea of cribbing homework, Tom, yeah. or plagiarizing papers and stuff, if human beings were doing that writing, even if they put somebody else's name on it, full cooperation of everybody involved. But you've got it now with college essays and those, you know, application. I, I, have, a, I have a question. Everything else. I have a question on this, Jan. If my mom was still alive, uh, well, first of all, I'd take her to breakfast like I used to do, but... Uh, <laughs> I'd want to be with you, too. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but... She had an, an amazing view of education because she grew up in the Depression and how the schools expected nothing from parents. They they never even thought about homework because they knew the kids had stuff to do when they got home and they weren't going to be able to do homework. What what would stop somebody from in a, in, a, in a school day that goes from 8 to 3, which is a long friggin' day. My mother used to say it was too long. And she, this is when she was older, not when she was a kid. She goes, what, what would be wrong for with having somebody say, here's the subject, go down to the library, leave all your cell phones here, and come back with a couple of books, read this, and I want an essay of 100 words in two hours. Or what's wrong with, here's the problems for tonight in math, put your cell phones over in the corner, we'll do the problems right here. What, this, this is not new, John. This is not new. Why, why, this, this, a, a, any teacher from the 50s could have dealt with this in a second. In, in my mind. I mean, the idea that the kids are going to have everything copied. No, they're not. Make them do it right in front of you. I mean, what's oh, wrong? I mean, I, I'm not a you teacher. Know, my but... institution was doing that even into the, about 2008 or nine. I think when they abandoned it. But, you know, you had to give, the only thing standing in your way of getting credit for an English 101 class, besides a passing grade, was passing the exit exam, which was a, you know, blue book essay test where you in a room. I proctored hundreds of these things probably, and you know you gave a prompt to you know this class, and they had two hours to write an essay. They could cross stuff out, move paragraphs around, whatever. But they had to draft it while they were sitting there. And then we had you know committees of people who would read these things and say it's pass fail, and that determined whether you actually got you know credit on your transcript for having taken this class. And it was considered. Well, you know, at the end, when they finally phased it out, they said, this is just creating all these road essays. It's all the five paragraph, you know, introduction, body paragraphs, conclusion. They're all the same. This isn't the skill we really want to teach. Writing means more than that, and, and certainly it does. But when you got students writing not well at all, to write a good five paragraph essay is quite an achievement. Without you know, a doubt. I wish more, well, yeah. I wish more students today could do it, or at least be taught how to do it, even if you don't use it all the time, to understand the reason for these kinds of discursive writing projects. But, you know, that essay exit exam kind of format just was considered creaky and old-fashioned, so they got rid, rid of it completely by the time I left. And now it's a totally different kind of portfolio grading system where you select your essays submitted over the semester and revise them, and you got committees of people reading, you know, whole packages of essays that are supposed to signify your development or your improvement of your writing skills. But, at least, but we have no idea who did that writing, right? You know, because they're not in the room. Well, anymore. but you certainly—I don't mean, like, like your mother said, you've, you've got a—you've got a kid, ten-year-old, for five hours a day. Use it. I'm with her. <laughs> yeah, this, this is to me. I mean, if you can't do that in a testing situation, then there's no reason to teach such a class at all, or even to offer it. You know, if if you can't get students to do, do at least that little, a kind of project. 
then you know maybe you're better off teaching them something else. But so, I, my, yeah, I, <laughs> my niece played uh, soccer at uh, Whitney Young, and it, boy, the difference between uh, which is a uh, what do they call it, a magnet school or something, something whatever the term is today. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. so it was in the well, it wasn't the inner city, which was just, it was in the West Loop. But the kids were from all over. They they weren't the same economic class of kids that went to you know Mother Macaulay and those kinds of places. Yeah, Michelle Obama's alma mater. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, but but I mean, I used to go to her soccer games, and the kids were absolutely terrific. Every every color, every denomination was was on the team. And, but it was a totally different economic class. And so they they won city like three years in a row. But of course, they played the suburban schools. They got their ass kicked. But uh, but one day the guy it was a Friday night game. And the guy goes, uh, you know, we're, we're, we looked a little sloppy out there. We, we even though they won, we goes, we might we might need a practice tomorrow morning. And like, fifteen hands go up. At working my mom's store, one kids, I'm helping my dad put an air conditioner in somewhere. He's an air conditioner installer. They had, they had, they had, they had no time for Saturday soccer practice. They all were working with. I mean, half of them were working with their family. Same same's true at homework. I mean, we, this is enough for soccer. We play. We practice after school. We play after school. We can give soccer ten hours a week, and that's it. I mean, uh, it, it, so what if we're not the same as as Mother Macaulay, which practices twenty hours a week? And if you if you schedule a practice on Christmas morning, the the, the parents don't even have the, the nerve to say, "What are you doing?" I mean, it's a whole different. It's a different world. I mean, uh, just 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 play in the world you're in and do a good job. You don't need to. What are we going to do if, if people can have their computers write a paper at home? Well, don't do the paper at home. I mean, Janice, it's not that difficult. No. But, I mean, you see it now in tech writing situations, Tom. And oh, yeah. Certainly, yeah. I, think, I think you're definitely seeing it in legislative writing, too. You're going to see it in what Ph.D. papers. I mean, you're going to see it in those kinds of things. But I'm, I'm going to say that there's no There's no human thinking there as an intermediary. And there's nobody interested in, in double-checking any of this stuff either because the quality of editing has been decreasing for a long time. That's maybe a, a bigger loss than the lack of writing skills. But I, I do think that, that we're going to get to a point where the, the stuff we are living under, you know, the, the administrative orders, the, the judicial orders, the pleadings that go into a, a, you know, none of this stuff is going to have been drafted by a human brain. It will have all the veneer of what it was. Well, you know what, my clients, my clients and myself would very much like right here we are half hour from the opening to me just type into some artificial intelligence name me the five stocks that are going to collapse after the opening and the five that are going to go up i'd be happy to do that if it think spits out 10 names for me if I oh yeah <laughs> and this, this, people could do it with, you know, without having that kind of crunching too but you know, the market itself is being run by artificial intelligence now tom really you know with the you know, with the thresholds and when a stock hits this, and you know, the yeah. buy-sell orders that immediately go up, nobody pushed a button. Somebody, some machine pushed it for us. So, so uh, last last comment: Can can six t- stocks take us to the promised land for a decade, or or, or is it going to be? Or they, well, I mean, we, we, everybody would like to see that, or at least you know, half a decade maybe time. But I, I'm I'm a skeptic. By the way, you missed a nice time last night. Plus, there was an Eric sighting. Saw Eric for the first time in a while. Uh, oh great! He's doing good, so he wants to come back on the show because um, the the uh, significant other is not running for alderman anymore. She lost by like ninety votes or something, which is horrible. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, John, take care of yourself. Talk at you on Monday, if not sooner. SP futures up thirty-eight. Oh, well, well, no show up. Monday, Tom. Well, that's right, no show Monday. Monday. That's right. We're but I'll, maybe Thursday. I'd like to see Dan while he's in town. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, we, you might have to come down here. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him again. So all right. 
All right, we'll, we'll, we'll plan on it. Uh, we'll be back uh, Stocks and Jacks tomorrow morning. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.